0: Welcome to Econ On The Go. In this second episode about game theory, we're gonna talk about sequential games. (music) Sequential games are ones where players take turns. A child's example of this might be tic-tac-toe. We don't set up the grid and then both try to put X's and O's at the same time. X goes first, and then O goes, and then X goes, and then O goes. Business games, which are sequential, are things like negotiations, where I make an offer, you respond, I respond to your counter offer, and we go back and forth, and each person knows what the other one has done when it's time to make their choice. Or, sequential games can be used where one company is a focal player, and by that I mean there's one company which everyone looks to to see how that company is gonna move first, and then they make their choices. Game trees are used to illustrate sequential games. So we used payoff matrices for simultaneous move games. For sequential games, we use game trees. And game trees start at a node, a point, and then branches come off that node to indicate choices. At the end of each of those branches is another node which the next player chooses at with branches for their choices. And we keep adding nodes and choices as the game plays out until we reach the end. At the end of the tree, the payoffs are listed for each of the players. Those payoffs are calculated according to each player's preferences, just like the payoffs in the payoff matrix. Again, we have a legend which indicates how we list those payoffs for each of the players, generally in the order in which the players move, but we want to be explicit just so that there's no confusion about whose payoffs are which. We solve the game treat using backwards induction, which means we solve for the final moves of the game and then bring those payoffs up to the previous decision node, then solve for the second of the last moves, bring those payoffs up, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, until we reach the initial decision node and figure out the best choice for the player moving first. There are no dominant strategies for sequential games because we choose at each node. So there's no blanket strategy which says we should always move up or we should always choose left. We always have to figure out, even if as we play out through the game tree, we're always choosing left or always choosing up. That doesn't mean it's a dominant strategy. Dominant strategies are concepts for simultaneous move games. The timing of the game matters. So if you move first or if you move second can influence whether you're better off going first or second. And so we can use sequential games to analyze if there's a first mover or a second mover advantage. Threats are useful in sequential games, but only if they're credible. A threat would be used to try to influence how a player makes a move further down the game tree. But again, they're only helpful if they're credible. And to be credible, they have to be both visible and understandable. And the greater the degree of irreversibility, the more credible the threat. So visible means I've seen that you've made the threat. Understandable means I understand the implication of the threat you're making on me. And the irreversibility means that if you can't go back on your threat, if you have to execute the threat, then I'm gonna believe you're gonna do it. Whereas reversibility means it's not that much of a threat. So an example of something like irreversibility might be, I've made an investment in acquiring a company, or I've started to construct a new factory. And I can just threaten to expand the production. But if I actually dig the foundation and start building the factory and start buying equipment, it's hard to sell that off. It's a big investment that I have to get rid of. And so it makes it a much more credible threat. You see that I've dug the foundation. You understand I'm going to use it to expand my production. And there's a hole in the ground, which is hard to give back. It becomes more irreversible. A classic sequential game that we analyze in game theory is called the battle of the sexes. And it's a classic sequential game with threats between two players who are trying to decide what to do on a weekend evening. They want to spend the evening together, but they each have different preferences for what to do. And the threats come in with trying to force the other player to do what you want to do, but those threats are empty unless there is something which changes the game. And that's the inside of the battle of the sexes. Just saying you want the game outcome to be different isn't going to change the game. We analyze the game. Once we draw the tree and apply backwards induction, we figure out the best choices for the players. And the only way we get a different outcome in the game is not by saying we want a different outcome, but by changing the game. And to change the game, we go back to those five rules for designing the game. We change who the players are. We change what they want. We change what they can do, change what they know, or change what their payoffs are. And unless we change one of those things to the extent we can, we're not going to change the game. And if we don't change the game, we're not going to change the outcome. Like we saw with the prisoner's dilemma, though, not every sequential business game is battle of the sexes. Remember, battle of the sexes is predicated on, I want something that you don't want, and you want something that I don't want. And we can't have a sequential business game where we both want similar outcomes, we can have a sequential business game where we're both trying to do things which are separate from each other, not do things together. That's sequential games, and it rounds out our discussion of game theory, which will allow us next time to start talking about oligopoly decisions where there are a smaller number of firms in the market, each competing with each other, and those choices influencing what each gets in the market.